Today I'd like to talk about hope. It might take a little bit of a winding road to get there, but I promise that's where I'm going, is hope. Because we need hope these days. The last few weeks have reminded me a bit of the famous Monty Python sketch in which someone is going about daily life at home or in the office or wherever, and all of a sudden there's a burst of music and three medieval cardinals in full regalia brandishing weapons burst through the doors and shout, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> and if you're too young to get that reference, there is a Google assignment for you. It's much more funny to watch than to hear me describe, but you get the idea. It feels like as soon as we get a little bit used to whatever the new normal is, as soon as we sort of get our feet under us, catch our breath, the Spanish Inquisition bursts in. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Regathering gets postponed, school goes online, more people get sick, the problems facing us get more urgent and unavoidable. The January and February versions of us were so naive and carefree. We didn't expect any of this. After all, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> Every day these days brings new challenges, new work to do. And so we need hope. Because hope is where everything in the spiritual life begins and ends. It's the ultimate question it's the ultimate answer to any question. As St. Paul says in our reading today from Romans, for it is in hope that we are saved. He goes on to explain that hope that is seen is not hope, meaning we don't hope for things that we already have. We hope for what we need, for what we desire. Our hopes are our deepest dreams. We hope for what is not yet for what we believe is coming, for an end to this pandemic, for a more just society, for reunion with our community, our friends, our neighbors, our family. And in this time of pandemic, when so many are hurting so badly, hope has to be our beginning and our ending each day, our waking up and our lying down. Hope has to be more than a feeling for us at this time. It has to be a choice, a daily discipline, something we practice again and again until it becomes a habit of our heart. For it is in hope, Paul says, that we are saved. Paul's letter to the Romans is written to a suffering people. The emperor Claudius had expelled all Christians and all Jews from the city of Rome. So St. Paul was writing to a community that had been displaced, that was struggling to figure out what to do next. And his message to them over and over again throughout this complex book boils down to an invitation to hope, to practice hope, to live hope, to commit to hope. He says in chapter 5, we boast in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope, he says, never disappoints us. I love that, the whole chain. Suffering produces endurance, which produces character, which produces in the end, the end of all of that, hope. 
Hope is the end of the story, and it does not disappoint us. But when Paul talks about hope, he's not talking about hope as sort of a vague optimism. He's talking about hope that is grounded, hope that is robust and resilient, a very particular kind of hope. In today's passage, Paul describes the entire world, all of creation, as in bondage and groaning for freedom, crying out to be liberated. He means, I think, that all creation is not what it was meant to be. The natural world, the air, the trees, the animals, plants, all of them are not meant to be exploited or damaged or polluted. Human beings are not meant to live within strict hierarchies that use violence to enforce our roles. Human beings are not meant to sicken and die by the thousands as hospitals fill up and schools remain closed. All of creation, Paul says, is suffering. But, he insists, the pain that God's creation is undergoing, the pain that we all are undergoing, has a purpose. It's not senseless. It is labor pain. All creation is struggling to give birth to something new, a redeemed, healed, repaired world. That is the ground of our hope, this belief that God is working through us to give birth to something new. A world in which creation is healed, in which, as the book of Revelation promises, God will be among us. God will wipe every tear from our eyes, and mourning and crying and pain will be no more. The world is not as it should be, but the pain we experience, the pain all of creation experiences, is the pain of labor as something new is born. And so when Paul invites us to hope, he asks us to place our hope in this very specific thing. The fact that even in the midst of suffering, God is working to bring a new world into being, one in which God dwells among us in love, one in which suffering is no more. And we are being invited to trust that God is at work even when we can't see it, and to place our hope in what God is creating among us. Some of you might know I love the poet T.S. Eliot, and in one of his four quartets, he talks often about hope in the midst of darkness. He says that all human beings at one time or another go into the dark. Doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank or what you do for a living or how perfectly you've planned things. We all experience darkness, times when we feel like we've lost the thread, lost a sense of purpose. We go into the dark. But, Eliot says, the darkness of, the, of God is like the darkness of a theater when the scene is being changed. We're aware only of the darkness all around us. We can't even see our hand in front of our face. But right under our noses, all the scenery is being changed. The party scene is being transformed into a snow-dusted forest, or the city street is becoming a cozy sitting room. Eliot is calling us in this poem to the same hope that Paul lifts up. Hope and faith that in the middle of darkness, God is changing the scene. God is doing something new. God is creating a new world. And so we are called in darkness to hold on to hope, 
to wait with patience for the new world of love and peace that God is bringing into being, to hold on to hope that what seems like chaos is actually the scene being changed. And this hope, though, is not passive waiting any more than labor is passive for the woman giving birth, because we, all of us, all of creation is invited to labor alongside God in bringing this world into being. We bring it into being by making the world more like God would have it be, by making our structures more just, our communities more welcoming, our hearts more open. We bring this world nearer as we pray, thy kingdom come. We bring this world nearer as we look for signs of it in the world around us and nurture them, signs that the new world is coming into being. Moments of selflessness, truth-telling, joy, kindness, transcendence, these are signs of the new world that is being born. We bring this new world nearer as we practice radical hope. Not as we feel hope necessarily, but as we practice it. As we drag our thoughts back from the lengthening list of worries and fears and center them on God as we choose to focus on signs of that new world, as we choose to work alongside God in bringing that world about. For it is in hope, St. Paul says, that we are saved. In hope. And, as he says, hope will not disappoint us. Amen.